Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, God bless you, everybody. It's good to see you in the house of God tonight. I'm so glad that you're all here. I have to tell you, the future is canceled. The future is canceled. And if you're going, wait, what? What are you talking about? Well, my mom joined this meeting and she got that little nugget from the meeting. The future is canceled. And she shared that with me in the moment. She said that I was like, wait, hold on, what? What was said? And I should explain, this was said in response to a young woman that had been working on her vision board for 2021. And she held it up to the camera, it was a Zoom meeting, and she was showing off her goals and her dreams, her aspirations, her travel plans for 2021. And much of the items that she had cut out and glued onto this poster board were no longer even possible due to the current state of affairs that we are in. As humans, we're programmed to look ahead. We're programmed to make plans and dream dreams, right? I know I am, I can't help it. I'll just, I'll be sitting somewhere and starting to dream, right? <laughs> it's normal. And if we're not careful, we may even find ourselves saying like, things like, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I retire. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when I have kids, when I pay off my house, when I buy a house, when I travel the world, when I'm debt free, when I climb Mount Everest, when I dot, 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 fill in the blank, right? Well, we've been given a great opportunity to value each day and each moment to appreciate the beauty in the now. Really. I mean, it's gotten down to like, I'm taking that sip of coffee in the morning going, oh my word, this is a beautiful thing. Thank you, Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> I had to wake up early for a meeting at work. You guys, it was, I, it was a hot mess of a situation. I do not do early. I'm not an early bird person. And so as much as this was a professional meeting, <laughs> I sent an email the night before like, anyway, we, anybody cancel or no? Oh, we're still doing this? Okay. Because I was like, oh, no, it's, it's still on. I wanted to see if there was any way that I could back out because me in mornings, we don't really, like, what's happening, you know? So by early, I mean that I had to wake up at 5 a.m. And you guys probably don't know what 5 a.m. looks like. It's like still dark outside. Might as well be midnight, right? It's so early that all good people should still be in bed. And I don't even think not one bird was chirping because even they knew better than to be up at 5 a.m. So it was too early. And when I stuck a toe outside of my warm bed, I thought, this can't be, like, like this can't be healthy for me. I felt like ill, you know. And then I finally, like, reluctantly got out of bed and climbed out from under the warm covers and I was like, this can't be good. No, I don't, what's happening? 
So I got ready for work, I made myself an extra strong cup of coffee, and I got on the road. Well, I jumped on the freeway in the dark, and then all of a sudden, I saw it. The sun, rising over the horizon to the east, the orange colors flooded the sky, pushing away that last shred of night. And suddenly, my perspective changed. I no longer felt tired, I no longer felt exhausted, or like I had been mowed over by a truck. I felt like I was part of some secret club of these cars on the road that just got to experience the dawning of a new day. It was a glorious, bright orange reminder that God makes all things new. Revelation 21.5 says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Maybe we've been waiting on God to do something new over here or to do something new over there or in that situation or over there in that corner of our lives. But maybe in 2021, he wants to do something new in you, within us. Maybe you need God's help shifting your perspective. Some of us, maybe, and it's totally natural and it's coming from a good place, but maybe we interpret situations or circumstances through a negative lens. Let me give you an example. You get into, car, into your car to leave for work in the morning and your car doesn't start. So you do that thing where you like let it kick, still not starting, okay, great. So you could have one of two responses, right? You could do the, oh, great. Are you kidding me? What is happening? Why today? What a way to start my week. Now I'm gonna be late for work. How much is this gonna cost me? And why did this happen to me? That could be one response, right? Or we could say, oh, thank the good Lord I'm at home. Thank God that I'm not stranded in the middle of the night in a bad part of town. Why did this happen for me? Maybe had my car started this morning, then I would have been in a car accident. Thank you, Lord, for watching over me. Thank you for your protection. So the circumstance didn't change, right? And you guys, that, that first response was hard for me. Like, that, you know, drama class, I can't. So the circumstance didn't change. My car still won't start, but does my reaction have any effect on the outcome? Me being upset about it's not gonna fix my car magically, right? So sometimes things happen and they're just beyond our control. But our response, our perspective, it has so much to do with whether situations can be remembered as positive or negative. Why not it be something we laugh about? Not something that we wanna, you know, yell at every family member in our house over. Perspective, it's a very powerful thing. And in every situation, we must remember what Romans 8.28 tells us. And we know that all things, everybody say all things. All things work together for good. That's like all we need to know. All things work together for good, right? So to them that love God, it goes on to say to them who are called according to his purpose. Well, 
we all know that we're called according to his purpose, so we need to understand then what circumstances come up that are beyond our control, it's for my good. No matter. No matter the upset, no matter what we face, all things work together for my good. And then that means that if it's for my good, then I'm going to worship even when I don't understand. And if it's for my good, then I'm going to glorify the name of the Lord even if it doesn't make sense. I will trust him even when I can't see how things are going to work out, and I will believe that I have won even if it feels like I'm losing out on something. It's for my good. Knowing that really takes the stress and the burden off of us. If I know that it's for my good, then we don't have to keep carrying weights that we should have given over to God a long time ago. Stop making a deal or an issue out of something that isn't because it's for your good. Colossians 3.2 says, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Well, set your affection can be set your mind, set your attention, set your focus on things above, not on things of the earth. If we keep our eyes fixed on God, we can't help but look at life through a positive lens and through an, a through gratitude and optimism. Okay, so if we learn nothing else tonight, I want you to remember this. Don't complain about the things that you have the power to change. Don't complain about the things that you have the power to change. Maya Angelou said what you're supposed to do when you don't like a thing is change it. And if you can't change it, Change the way you think about it. Don't complain. Well, that's easier than said than done sometimes, right? And sometimes we don't even realize we're complaining. We're just thinking we're having a conversation with our loved ones, and we're complaining. And it's funny because we all have that one friend or that one family member. They complain so much, it's just, like I said, conversation. If they didn't eat, they complain that they're going to pass out. If they eat, then they complain that they overate and now they're full. They're stuffed. It's almost like simultaneously annoying and impressive because you think you're in this wonderful situation. How could you possibly find something to complain about? They do. You win, trophy, you get like, the, I don't know. That's amazing. In my family, we call great parking spots tithe payer blessings. We just always have. And the royal complainer in your life will see that great parking spot close to the destination, and instead of being grateful, they're going to complain that they're not going to get their steps in. Hashtag Fitbit, right? <laughs> Don't complain about the things that you have the power to change. Complaining about the fact that you have 10 loads of laundry to do isn't going to magically wash your clothes, dry them, fold them, and put them away. Some people have gotten so into the habit of complaining that if I put a dollar jar in your house and your family members started calling you out on your complaints, that thing would be full. Somebody's taking us to lunch, right? Things like, I'm cold, I'm tired, I'm hungry, it's too hot, my toe hurts, my head hurts, I have nothing to wear, the kitchen is dirty and I'm late for work. Well, if you're cold, grab a blanket. If you're hungry, eat. If your kitchen's dirty, clean it. 
And if you're late for work, stop hitting the snooze button every nine minutes and get up when the alarm goes off, right? It's really that simple. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without complaining and disputing. Isn't that funny that complaining's in the Bible? Do all things without complaining and disputing. And Exodus 16.8 says, for the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him, and what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Isn't that interesting? When we complain, in that passage of scripture, scripture, the Israelites were complaining to Aaron and to Moses, but Moses and Aaron told them, you're complaining to us, but you're actually complaining against God right now. So when we complain, our complaints aren't just to the person we're complaining to, it's against the Lord. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That's amazing. When we actually know to do better, and we don't do it, it's sin. So don't complain about or wait on God to, to fix something that he gave you the talents and the ability and the knowledge and the wisdom to take care of for yourself, that you have the power to change. There's an amazing passage of scripture in the book of Nehemiah, and I'm not going to read it because I don't want to take too much time. But Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king of Persia at that time. It's like a butler, but with more honor because the king thought, I can basically trust you with my life if I let you serve me my drinks and if I let you serve my family their drinks because, you know, there's all these weird plots back then and everybody wanted to be king and whatever. So a cupbearer was a really cool thing. Well, when he was in his position at cup, as cupbearer, he got news that the wall around Jerusalem had been destroyed and the gates had been burned. Jerusalem and the people of Jerusalem, the people of Judah, were his people. That was his community. That where he, that's where he had come from. And this lack of wall now around Jerusalem represented defenselessness. It left the people of Jerusalem exposed to wild animals, to weather, to all these things that this wall would represent. And to enemies that basically said, we're wide open, right? Because that's the only thing separating you, you between your enemies. If you guys all went home right now, especially in the dark, and you walked up to your property, and the entire wall around your property had been either blown over or crumbled, I think we'd all feel a little bit exposed. We'd feel a little unsafe, maybe call a friend and want to stay with them. I don't know about you, but I'm like, I, first of all, I can see into the neighbor's yard now, and who can come into mine, right? So in those days, no surrounding wall around the city was something to be really ashamed of. And so understandably, when Nehemiah got this news about his hometown, he wept and he cried out to God, but God didn't just miraculously put up the wall. Sometimes we cry to God about stuff, and we're like, well, what's happening? Why is the wall not just going to, like, magically reappear? Well, he cried out to God, and he asked for help. Nehemiah got help from God, but it required them to pick up the stones and start rebuilding. Sometimes, in order for God to begin doing a work in us and in our lives, we've got to do some heavy lifting. We've got to get uncomfortable. We've got to start picking up some stones. Well, very interestingly, it took 52 days for this wall to be rebuilt. 
And not just 52 days of work, because that sounds like a project. We can barely get through five days and then we're ready for a weekend, right? But 52 days to rebuild this wall, and they were being attacked. They, were, they had people that were trying to come against them the entire time. But 52 days to rebuild, but the favor of the Lord was with them, and they finally got the wall up. Well, Nehemiah chapter 3 is dedicated to all of those that helped rebuild that wall. It goes on to honor and list the names of each builder, giving their name, their household, their craft, and their contribution to rebuilding that wall. Well, God is our strength. He's our redeemer. He's our protector. He's our guide, our wisdom. He's our direction, our way, our truth, our life. He's already everything to us so that we can be everything that he created us to be. Without limitation, without fears or complaints, on waiting on him to do what you're so capable of. Maybe in 2021, God wants to do a new thing in us. Search me, O oh God. If I am standing in my own way, if I am not doing my part, if there are things that I should be doing differently, if there are areas I need to improve, show me. Help me, God, to be everything that you want me to be by your grace and for your glory. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says, Remember ye not the former things. Remember ye not 2020. Remember ye not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. Let's not dwell on yesterday. Behold, I will do a new thing. I don't know about you, but all these people that are carrying stuff from 2020 into 2021, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in carrying over fear. I'm not interested in any of that. It's like, no, no, I want God to do a new thing. I want to create space in 2021 in my own life for God to do something new in me. So the scripture says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We're in a desert season right now. We've got some people in Texas going through a snowstorm right now. Weather's weird. Sickness is weird. There's all these things going on that can feel like a wilderness, can feel like a desolate place. But when you're a child of the king, God is with you. So let's go. Let's let go of the old habits, the old ways, the old complaints, the old perspective, and let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and prepare our hearts and our minds for whatever the new thing is that he wants to do in us this year. In my life, in your life, I believe it's time to rebuild. I believe it's time to pick up the stones, and some days it's going to feel like work. But he's already gone before us, and he's already given us the strength and the favor for the journey. So would you stand with me? We're not done quite yet. We're going to do a little bit of class participation, so, you know, stretch it out. Okay, you guys have all heard of these military cadence songs, right? They are done to build endurance. It's songs and callbacks that are done while these military men are actually in the process of working out because it builds endurance, it builds strength, it builds lung capacity. Well, I'm not going to have anybody march tonight because you're all in masks and ain't nobody got time, right? <laughs> Don't want anyone passing out at church, but 
I want us to clap together. Can we do that? So I'm going to set the beat. Is that fine? That's good, Dad. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so here we go. You know what that sounds like, everybody? Marching. Unity. Okay, so repeat after me. Won't he do it? Watch him do it. With God in me, I can do it. His favor is upon me, I can do it. He will make a way where there is no way. He's my healer. If God is for me, doesn't matter who's against me. Jesus said it. That settles it. That settles it. Lord of Sabaoth. Lord of the armies. shake it off, you got to stomp it down, and you got to remember, it's okay to forget about who you are, but never forget about who he is. And never forget about what he can do in you today. Okay, so two more minutes, and you can stand or sit, whatever you're comfortable with. So there is situations like what we were talking about that I wouldn't call impossible because when situations are impossible enter God God operates in the impossible he shows up in the impossible but when he's given us the ability for ourselves he's just waiting for us to shine it's like parents that have really done a good job raising their kids and then when they release them into the wild you hope they kind of like okay Go show them what I taught you, right? God's a proud parent, and so the things that he's taught us to do for ourselves or given us the ability to do for ourselves, he's like, go on, go get them, tiger. Let's do it. But in the impossible is where God really is God, and it's miraculous. There's a story in the Bible of Gideon, and basically the Israelites were against 135,000 Midianites that kind of had them pinned in a corner. And these Midianites were camped in the valley. 135,000 Israelites were numbered in the 30,000s, okay? So that's a big difference. There's 100,000 more of those guys than there are of them. Well, God wanted to rescue the Israelites, and the Israelites were praying for rescue, and God heard their cry. But you know what's amazing? God called one man out of that group of 30,000 up in the hills, and all these Midianite enemies camped, the armies, 135,000 down here. Well, God called one man 
The man tries to tell God all the reasons why he's not qualified. We're never qualified. Nobody's ever going to be perfect. God's just trying to get somebody that's willing to stand up and say something, right? There's no, it's, it's just a willing vessel. We don't have to have any list of whatever, okay? So God calls Gideon, and Gideon kind of pushes back for a while, and he even, like, that's where we get the fleece God, because he has, he tests God to make sure that you got the right guy, okay, cool. Well, 30,000 men kind of meet with Gideon, and God says, Those are, that's too many. We don't need 30,000 to go against 135. We need to slim down the group a little bit. So he goes, hey, Gideon, ask your guys which ones are afraid, and whoever's afraid, no problem, send them home. 20,000 of the 30,000 were afraid and went home. So now Gideon's like, okay, wow, that's a third of us, so... We've only got 10,000 left, and God said, that's still too many. 10,000 is still too many for the 135,000 that are down below because I want the glory. I want the credit. And if I send 10,000 of you in, then some of you are going to think that you did this on your own. So God narrowed the group down once more to 300 men. And the way he chose them was the 10,000 men went down to a river, and the way that they drank the water was how they got separated from the herd. If you lapped the water a certain way, then you were disqualified, meaning like people that just stuck their face in the water to drink, you're out. But anybody that scooped up the water and brought it to his lips like a gentleman, <laughs> 300. Okay? So 300 people are left. That's it. And boy, does God show up and show out in situations like this. So you've got 300 guys that drank the right way, and you've got 135,000 men that are there and they're camped beneath. Well, God gave them some weapons. You don't need weapons with God. They had a lamp and they had a trumpet. And the lamp was basically a glass jar and a torch, and they had a trumpet in the other arm. And so they were to surround these Midianites that were camped, and it was the top of the mid-watch, which means it was midnight. So midnight, here comes all these 300 men that drank the right way with their torch and with their trumpet, and at, the, at Gideon's call, they all cried out in the middle of the night, they cracked their jars collectively. So this, this camping 135 like sleeping people heard the cracked jars. They cried out and said, the sword is of the Lord and of Gideon. They broke their jars. They cried out with all their might. And then they all blew their trumpets. And you know what happened? The 135,000 men all woke up, thought they were already under siege, and started killing each other. And the Bible says, whew, whew, you guys, and the 300, I'm adding this, they stood every man in his place around the camp, and all the army ran and cried and fled. So all those 300 men, that all they had to do was break a glass jar, call the name of the Lord, blow a trumpet, and stand. Somewhere along the line, we think, oh, I don't know, I don't
pick up the trumpet or I, you don't even have to fight. The battle is not yours, it is God's. All you have to do is show up and sometimes you've got to dress up and sometimes you've got to pick up a horn and you've got to pick up a lamp and it's scary and you look like you're going to go into battle, but you know what? God has already gone before you. And what we said earlier in our, in our um, cadence, I just read this last night, Lord of Sabaoth. I didn't even know that was a name for God. It means Lord of the armies. He is our avenger. So if we are called to dress up, if we are called to blow our trumpets, pick up the stones. Be willing to do your part. Be willing to rebuild. God never said we'd be exempt from the fight. Sometimes we're going to have to put on the armor, but all we have to do is stand. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The battle is the Lord's. Will you stand with me? What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast, and may God bless you.